cold finger. The door to M's office bounced open. Without looking up at the visitor or away from the sheath of papers on his desk, M scratched a match, set fire to the McBaron's Scottish blend in his pipe bowl, and peered through the smoke at the title on the cover page. Topish secret, it read, and so did M out loud. Do you think the North African desk is trying to be cute, Bond? Dropping into the single visitor's chair facing M, James Bond crossed his legs. He stopped himself giving a little squeak as his inner thighs once again pinched his privates. Perhaps I should dress to the left in future, he thought before replying to M. I wouldn't trust that shower. Each one strikes me as being a man's man, if you're with me. M was. Personally, he had nothing philosophical against the more outré social lives of summit MI6, but surely by loitering in the St. James Park Loos on a wet Tuesday night in February to pick up off-duty guardsmen, these chaps risked catching more than a cold. Intelligence gatherers needed to focus on, well, gathering intelligence, not worrying about that burning sensation during urination. A glance at the clock on the wall behind Bond's head told M that his seventh best secret agent was late. What kept you? Hopefully you weren't giving Miss Moneypenny a quick how's your father in the storeroom cupboard again. Bond shuddered. Not since that accident when she knocked over a broom handle, M. Made my eyes water. No, I was at my German street tailor's swallow and love it, picking up some après ski kit. Folding back the report's cover page, M gave a smile as cold as a marketer's handshake. You won't need a turtleneck sweater amongst the snake charmers and hawkers of Jamar al Fanar. Geography wasn't Bond's strong suit, but it didn't sound like an alpine lodge in Gestart. Marrakesh, explained M. Ah, said Bond, regaining his confidence, near Minsk. Sighing, M continued the briefing. A criminal group called the Transvaal Cabal had based itself in the Moroccan city to facilitate plans to run guns, stashed amongst dates and spices, across the borders into the Western Sahara and Algeria to destabilise the governments there. Bond shifted in his seat. How dare they? Dates give me wind. It's the guns we're after, said M. Of course, said Bond, trying to keep up with the giddy whirl of instructions and place names. Oh, and one more thing, said M. Hands off Miss Moneypenny, at least until she's booked your flights. Roger that. Yes, said M, tapping the McBaron embers into a glass ashtray. That's what I'm afraid of. With a bump and a scream of engines in reverse thrust, the B.E.A. Vickers Viscount made a three-point landing before taxing towards the Marrakesh Terminal. After the chill of the cabin's air conditioning, the dry desert heat slapped Bond's face as he descended the aircraft steps onto the tarmac. He was a man who could tolerate a slap, as long as it wasn't too hard, and was delivered by someone in suspenders. Preferably a woman, although, given it was 1964, he had swinging London on offer. Through the Marrakesh runway's shimmering heat, he made out a slight figure in a white cotton robe striding towards him, 
hand held out. To Marrakesh, Mr. Bond, I'm Omar Sharif, your driver from the British Honorary Consulate. So why did he cap Sharif? All these international assignments had taught Bond the advantage of conversing fluently with Johnny Foreigner. I think you'll find that's Thai, said Sharif, plucking a leather suitcase from Bond's hand before pitching forward onto the hot ground. Careful there, lad, it's heavy. I've got half of Q's arsenal stuffed into the lining, and you'll ruin your frock. It's a Gandora, began Sharif, before realising Bond had lost interest and was lighting a Moreland of Grosvenor Street cigarette while standing near a jet fuel bowser. This way, Effendi, hurry, called out Sharif. Dusted with dust, the black Mercedes careered through the Medina's narrow streets, scattering stallholders and panhandlers and splattering the odd wayward hen. In the back seat, Bond watched the scenery and the occasional shaken fist slipping past the car's grimy windows. But unusual-looking churches, eh, Sharif? Actually, they're synagogue, said Bond. Silly me. I know you Middle Eastern chappies and your newfangled religions. All saffron robes, shaven heads and rice-begging bowls in there, I fancy. Another stamp on the accelerator sent the car forward, taking out two cyclists and a wide-eyed donkey. Ten minutes later, a screech of what remained of the brakes heralded the Mercedes' arrival in an alley off the sprawling Jamar El Fanar marketplace. Locking the car, then fixing a clamp to a front wheel, Sharif led Bond up steep stairs on the side of a drab building to a rooftop terrace. They were in the Grand Balcon, the Café Glacé. An excited Sharif waved at the massive open-air marketplace below. Voila, he said to Bond. Acrid smoke, coupled with the aroma of roasting lamb entrails, rose to meet them. At a faux bistro metal table overlooking the square, they sipped heavily sugared fresh mint tea from chipped glass tumbers, while Sharif pointed out the sights, one in particular, the Transvaal Cabal. A few yards away, the Cabal members were crammed awkwardly around a circular table, drinking lukewarm orange cordial and arguing over the lunch bill. Sharif whispered descriptions, starting with the chairman of the Cabal, Leonardo Duffy, a.k.a. Coldfinger, a bolshie-looking party in a black suit, possibly whipped up by a 24-hour turnaround tailor, Kowloon side, affected a Kabbalah bracelet and a moistened cigar stub. Adonis Van Graan, a carefully sculptured graying beard, graced his chin. Eyes as dark as sin sat on either side of a patrician nasal bridge. Then Dickie Brand, his shaven head atop a black t-shirt, fitted over yet another black t-shirt, and signature dyspepsic grimace had prompted his nom de guerre, Sourman. Sitting beside him was Blade Cravings, bifocals perched raffishly on the end of a broken nose, a man with a reputation for taking bribes, barbiturates, and when visiting aged care homes, 
biscuits off the residents' afternoon tea trays. Then Tom McCarran, one-time editor of the Marrakesh Express newspaper, before being fired for feigning he was planning a Michelin-style rating supplement featuring the city's bordellos, and then undertaking an, an intensive, cost-free sampling program. Next up, Chris Numbersman Tagalog, described on his Interpol Wanted poster as a certifiable chartered accountant, with the law enforcement agency confirming certifiable wasn't a typo. Beside him, Owl Twinkletoes Prance, given to practicing optimized search and entry when frisking newcomers to the Cabal's HQ. Next, Madeleine Dubois, currently being hunted by France's Direction Générale de la Sécurité Extérieure. She claimed to be Mauritian or Mauritanian, depending on who's asking. The penultimate member was Mary Carberry, alleged to have at least three husbands on the go, one in Sydney, Australia, and known to barmen from Shanghai to Kinshasa for the opening line, usually I don't drink alcohol, but it's been a difficult day. And finally, a crafty smirker who'd renamed themselves Greg Flyin after a penis implant in Bangkok, and now wore a buttock tattooed reading, Pussy No More. With the dispute over the bill settled, Cravings picking up the tab while holding a dampened hanky to his new black eye, the gang separated with a Duffy pausing to study the two nearby men. A moment later, Duffy tiptoed away. At the Riyadh El Fen, a not-so-safe safe house, the receptionist's lips trembled, her face was bright, and she peered up at the tall, dashing guest. Bond looked her up and down. Don't be so needy, my dear. Frankly, I'd never get any assignments finished if I bonked every eager beaver. The receptionist stepped back. I was only going to say you have a piece of mint leaf stuck between your teeth. Graciously, Bond allowed her to carry his suitcase to his first floor suite. Stepping through the doorway, Bond smelt a mix of old goat and sour grapes. The Walther PPK 7.65mm pressed against his Sea Island cotton shirt beneath his unstructured linen jacket gave him little comfort. Sitting in armchairs were Duffy, Van Gran and Cravings. Brand, wearing heavy work boots, lay on the bed, snoring gently. An empty bottle of complimentary special flag Pilsner gripped tightly in his hand. Bond was startled. How do you? Duffy cut him off. You booked into this place on your own name, Mr. Bond. You really must be more spy-like. Do you know who we are? Bond smiled. The Transvaal Cabal, presumably so-called because you four come from Cabal. Van Gran jumped to his feet, tattooed knuckles raised. South Africa, he said. Bond appeared confused. South Africa? Never heard of it, old chap. Anywhere near Minsk?
Flicking a Bic lighter under his cigar stub, Duffy inhaled, then blew a stream of smoke towards Bond. I know what a worldly man like you secretly desires. Bond looked thoughtful. Fast cars and Chinese food? Or perhaps it's Chinese cars and fast food. Either way, do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Duffy stopped himself and looked apologetic. Whoops, sorry. Too early for that line. It should have been, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to dine. To dine on chicken tagine with preserved lemon and olives while two belly dancers, pleasure... Oh! Duffy never finished the sentence. Through the door burst Sharif, hot-heeled by a squad of Surete National Police, blowing whistles and pointing weapons. Bond frowned. I hope you're not going to be a bore about this, Sharif. Duffy over here was just making a very interesting offer. Yes, yes, I know. James Bond is copyrighted. But I'll have a chat with Ian Fleming later in heaven. However, in the meantime, the preceding is copyright Greg Flynn, 2023.